The brands we love tend to transcend product, service, and loyalty. There's something intangible about the connections we have with brands that appeal to us. That intangible something might be authenticity in those brands and how they communicate with us. And this term, authenticity, comes up a lot. But what is it? Authenticity conjures up ideas and words such as originality, something that draws you in. How do you know when you've reached it in brand communication, in strategy, or when planning campaigns? Joining us today is Jay Sibesh, who is the MD and founder of Yanom, a creative and digital agency. She has over 12 years brand and communication strategy experience that spans from brands in South Africa, Namibia, Kenya, and other parts of the world. Jay helps us to demystify authenticity and what it means in brand communication. She shares some of her experiences while working with leading brands from ABSA, Netbank, to MTN and others. We discuss how you make authenticity a part of strategy and how it helps brands to connect better with customers. We go into living up to your brand personality and how that helps to build loyal fans and customers. Enjoy the show. Welcome to The Lead Creative, where we talk to the creative minds behind some of the leading brands, businesses, organizations, and top ideas that we all love. Our chats range from building brands, conceptualizing new products, strategy, and building businesses. I'm your host, Monge Zimtati. The brands we love tend to transcend product, service, and loyalty. There's something intangible about the connection we have with brands that appeal to us. That intangible something might be authenticity in how those brands communicate with us. How do you define authenticity, though? Joining us today is Jay Sibesho, who is the MD and founder of Yanong, a creative and digital agency. She has over 12 years of brand and communication strategy experience that spans from brands in South Africa, Namibia, Kenya, and the rest of the world. Thinking back to some of her experiences while working with leading brands from ABSA, NetBank, to MTN, and many others, as well as being a pivotal part of strategy at Joe Public in South Africa and Namibia, working with Kenya's The Digital Brand Agency and other leading brands, Jay helps us to demystify authenticity and what it means in brand communication. Jay, welcome to The Lead Creative. It's great to have you with us. Thank you so much, Mongezi. Thank you for having me. It's awesome to have you, Jay. I mean, the many times that I've spoken to you and had discussions with you about brands and strategy, you always revert to this idea of including authenticity and strategy. And to me and many others, authenticity is an elusive idea, right? It's this thing that's not tangible. Talk to me about how you get to it in strategy. It's such an important uh, conversation to be had because the notion of brand authenticity, it's actually about brands showing the consumer that they really understand who they are. They understand the zygest of our times, what's happening, um, you know, culturally in our current eras and being able to connect in an authentic way to them as a brand uh, that connects to the consumer. So 
just to unpack that uh, for you a little bit. So this is, uh, in our earlier conversations, the key thing was how is authenticity tangible and what does it actually mean? So the first thing, it's about representation. How you represent me as your target audience shows that you understand who I am and you understand, you know, my challenges. And as a brand, you, you have identified your responsibility to support me and show me that you care about who I am as your consumer. And the type of relationship that we have is an authentic relationship, not a transactional relationship where it's profit orientated and, uh, you know, it's all about meeting targets. So I'd just like to share just maybe a case study with you, uh, Mo, uh, one or two, sure, just sure. to highlight yeah, yeah, yeah. and sure. unpack uh, what we mean by this. So the first is, uh, if I take us a few years back uh, when social media was, you know, becoming uh, big and everybody uh, was on uh, more than one platform and um, Coca-Cola launched a campaign, which was the Share a Coke campaign. Yes. And what they did is they put people's names on the cans because they understand that a name is something that is very personal to somebody and it's also a reflection of their identity. Well, what that enabled the Coca-Cola brand to do is to plug into the culture of sharing. So we were used to sharing our photos on social media, sharing posts that resonated with us or memes that resonated with us. And now the brand authentically made it possible for people to share cans, which you know you don't necessarily find online, but you find them at the point of sale. So what that enabled the brand to do was to authentically be part of what was happening, uh, what the cultural mood was at the time and enabled people to, you know, buy a Coke, uh, take a picture of it because it has their name on it. And I'm sure uh, you and I have seen a lot of those posts. So that's just one example of how brands, you know, plug into what is currently happening culturally, what is the cultural mood and how does that resonate with them as a brand and how are they able to authentically express their own identity in a way that shows the consumer that I see you, I understand who you are, I don't just see you as a transaction, I don't have a, a functional transactional relationship with you, I have a relationship with you that speaks to your identity and your who you are. Just before you go on to the next case study, because you mentioned that you've got two, I want to get a sense of in this case, right? So I mean, that campaign that you talked to translated well across the globe and it worked in South Africa as well as it worked in Australia and other parts of the world. So in this instance, how do you then strike authentic almost genuine connections as a brand when you have this global kind of campaign that moves from country to country with different cultures. Absolutely. So the first thing there, it's obviously leveraging an insight. We always talk about that, you know, there's insights that are specific segments in the market. So this particular insight will only work within a specific demographic, geographic location. And this particular insight is relevant to this one segment. And then you have this universal insight that appeals to many segments because of the climate, because of what is happening uh, globally. So the insight that was leveraged there, or the key thought, was this notion and idea of sharing, which is obviously backed up by data, stats, and research in terms of, are people sharing all around the world? And what Coke's strategy at the time was, it was about sharing. So what they did is they took that one insight about enabling people to share, because there was a, a phenomena of people sharing 
their personal information. You know, there was a lot of user-generated content. And we know that consumers uh, love to see themselves and they are, you know, quite avid content creators themselves, even though it be personal. And then leveraging that one thing of sharing and making it personal, making it authentic. That's the link that was done there to make this uh, tangible, to make this a global phenomenon because it resonated across markets because this is what people all around the world were doing. This is what was important for them at the time. So having the ability to take that idea of sharing and personalize it globally across markets with the understanding that this is what people want. People want to see themselves. People, you know, are trying to express themselves. There's a story of identity. If you even look at the names that were on those cans, it was names uh, that were, you know, very long, some Chinese names, some Russian names, uh, some very, you know, authentic South African names. It was a, a connection with people. And, you know, the key thought there, it's a notion of a brand saying to the consumer, I see you, I really see you. And that is meaningful. That is very, very meaningful because ultimately when we say that we're developing brand strategies to give brands relevance, that is the type of relevance that we are talking about because you gain your top of mind awareness in uh, the consumer's mind. Uh, you, you become part of the consideration set because they start to trust you as a brand because they see that uh, you you really take an interest in who they are. You don't just, you know, it's not like a you shooting in the dark uh, type of approach. It's a personal approach that gained the global momentum you just spoke about. Yes. So here's another thing that comes to mind uh, for me because with Coca-Cola, it was very unique, very distinct. Um, and we can literally count, you know, the number of brands that get like that, that are that way, you know, that get it the same way that uh, that Coca-Cola does year on year, almost every summer, you know, from Coke and Meals to uh, this campaign with the people and their names that you're referring to and every other one, right? But in most cases, brand stories sometimes feel the same to consumers like um one bank feels the same as another bank um sometimes one fast food brand feels the same as another fast food brand right how do you find what makes this one brand whatever brand that is how do you find what makes this brand different from another then go on to create an authentic story that resonates about that brand with consumers it all starts with purpose uh, I like what you said there to say that often brands feel the same and that is quite correct and uh, the reason why obviously this conversation is important is from a messaging perspective right striking a chord through what it is that you say and the only way that a brand can get that right is by articulating their purpose. So we often write in our competitor um, analysis that we do with clients is that, you know, your competitor can copy uh, your product. They can maybe copy uh, a service that you provide, but they can never copy your purpose. So once you have, as a brand, authentically uh, articulated your purpose and are able to enable that purpose to um, shine through or to be articulated across your consumer touch points so that whether they're receiving an email from you or they're purchasing your product or it's the in-store experience that they have um, at point of sale or they are at an experiential event. Um, the only way that your brand authenticity can shine is if your purpose is being, you know, reverted back to at each and every single um, touch point. That is the only way that you can authentically articulate yourself, but most of all, differentiate. We also talk about being distinctive because it's always good. We always talk about brand differentiation. So we're differentiating this fast food brand from that fast food brand. But sometimes you will find that your competitors are not necessarily in your uh, industry, if I can put it like that. So for example, if your brand mess 
messages to share happiness uh, with the world. You will find other brands that are also trying to do that in different categories. That's why it's so important to be distinctive. And the only way that you can be distinctive is if your purpose is what is guiding and leading your strategy. And as a brand, you are, you know, staying true to who you are and what it is that you want, the type of connection that you want to have with your consumer. On the issue of, on the subject of purpose, and I now want to revert to some of the case studies that you have, you know, some of the brand uh, case studies that you have, and perhaps find how they communicate their purpose. Um, But before that, on purpose, I mean, there's the bigger purpose that a brand wants to serve or prove or be in the community or society. And then there's the purpose of what I use this brand for, right? So let's take let's take a handset, for example, any handset. Um, and their purpose could be to connect people or at least, you know, creating connections between people. But I also see my handset as a device to connect to the internet, as something to communicate with family and all of these things. And some brands don't fit neatly into the purpose that they want to communicate or serve in the world? How do you make it original and how do you communicate it and have this purpose shine through in a way that isn't bland and lukewarm? Yeah, that's why I think the key thing there is using the handset example that you've given. Doing competitor analysis within your category as well as in other categories uh, to see what other brands are communicating in terms of let's say a similar purpose in the terms of values that you offer as as a business, what you believe in, uh, as well as what it is that your product um, offers. So doing a thorough and proper competitor analysis enables you to see what is in the market. You identify your unique position where you can own. Uh, You you always want to be distinctive in a positioning that you can uniquely own. Uh, Once you have identified that positioning, then it's a matter of constructing your message in a way that is most relevant to what it is that is unique and different about your product. There has to be something, even if it's all handset, with uh, similar functionalities, uh, similar levels of innovation. You always have to find and craft what it is that makes yours uh, different and then link that back to your business purpose. What that will enable you to do is to articulate a message that not only differentiates you or enables you to have the purpose of what your product does as well as the purpose of what um, your business stands for, but understanding the consumer climate at the time, understanding what is different, what what is it that the consumer can do with this? What is that unique thing that we know about them that no one else is currently leveraging or talking about at this point? And that is how you are able to align your values um, in terms of your, you know, your organizational purpose with what it is that your product offers against what is other competitors doing in the market and having it, you know, authentically connect with the people that you're trying to reach. And that's also, you know, not just research orientated, also, you know, insights uh, driven because there's always gaps that other competitors might not or other brands might not necessarily identify and that uniquely can be ownable to your brand. What are the other brands that you had in mind uh, to discuss that exemplify this authenticity and purpose? So one, I'm going to do a, a coin type of effect. We're going to look at the a good campaign that uh, this particular brand uh, did that resonated to uh, or that highlight um, authentic brand connections. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to look at the same brand in terms of, you know, what they currently doing now and you know how there's a slight disconnect and to highlight the you know black versus uh, white so the juxtaposition 
political position of how they communicated in a way that resonated and how they communicate now in a way that doesn't as much as they did before. Absolutely. And that brand is a local brand, which is Absa. It's a banking brand. So moving us out of the FMCG market. So I think it was about five years ago when um, Absa launched the Prosper campaign. I think you've seen it, uh, Mungesi. That was a campaign that I also had an opportunity to work on. And the relevance of that campaign at the time is that it was a relaunch of the Absa brand. Um, there was a lot of uh, research that was done in terms of what the consumer's perceptions were. The Prosper message, when it came out, it was a message about wealth. It was about partnering with you through your journey to wealth. So understanding that at the time, South Africans were, you know, in heavy debt, you know, we didn't have great financial behavior. And the conversations that the competitors were having at the time were, it was innovation, it was, um, you know, sustainability, and um, they crafted this message. So that message, along with other messages, because ultimately a brand is, you know, it's a combination of all your efforts. So yes. there wasn't a campaign that they had prior, which was more for the sponsorship uh, side, which was talking about the human spirit, you know, and it was uh, talking about all the sports sponsorships uh, that they are involved in yes. yeah, and yeah, uh, yeah. the athletes' commitment to what it is that they do and the fans' passion to what it is that they're seeing on the field and the, the, the team that they support. And it was quite, I can say philosophical, but it was deep, if I can put it like that. It was deep, it was meaningful, it resonated with what the country needed at the time, and um, it showed the consumer that if you come and you work with us or you choose us as your financial services provider, we, this is what we are ultimately partnering with you for, to get you well. Yes, yeah, so, to get you to a point where, where you are financially financially free and you've reached your financial goals i suppose yeah absolutely so then if you look at where the brand is currently um about a year or two ago they launched a new message which was africanacity right so you know that's a coin that was developed by the bank um but you know because you have to teach the consumer a new word you have to almost it's like it's a little bit ambiguous to say what is africanacity and how does that link back to to banking so the reason why you know being authentic and you know plugging into the cultural moods and understanding a specific era and um, crafting messages that are relevant to what people need and they are you know linking it back to who they are it's a matter of you know it's like you telling me that i'm african and because i'm african you african and it doesn't um cover off the banking story in its entirety it doesn't promise a partnership um there's a little bit of confusion from a purpose perspective so the risks of almost trying to tell the, or force for it or tell the consumer who they are or what they are is that you run a risk of almost trying too hard almost you know confusing the market um not necessarily having that deep meaningful connection that you know ties back to the core of what people are going through and what it is that they need in the way of uh, being plugged into the now. That's interesting. And it's a very interesting observation because they are still driving the Africanacity messaging uh, today. And I think it's it tries to link back to an action or a behavior uh, or a way of thinking, and that's Africanacity. And they have to, you know, tail end this Africanacity at every point of the message. Which is an educational job. Yeah. 
which is different from where, you know, from a, a building trust. So you can, so what this highlights is also that authentic brand connections are about emotions. It's about, we always talk of when we develop our strategies, we're talking about having an emotional link with the consumer. So the types of uh, messages you need to promise them is some stuff like partnership. It's stuff like something that is an outcome like wealth. So when you are changing uh, your focus and you are, you are developing new wording, you are, you know, doing an, an educational campaign that says, this is what it is. This is not what it is. Um, you know, it kind of reminds me of what MTN did back in the days with the Ayoba campaign and yes. how the difference between this and that, even though it's a similar campaign approach, is that Ayoba was already a word that it was a colloquial term and people knew what it was and it, it was you know it's a thumbs up it's yes you're doing good and the educational job wasn't so much to the entire uh, nation it was more to maybe a segment of people that didn't know what it was but now it's like ah okay I pick it up and it's relevant I can use it in day-to-day speak and I see how it plugs back to the brand from a uh, you know celebrating our South Africanness, our you know the people that we are so now when you're developing a new term and you're doing an educational uh, job the, uh, what is the emotive outcome there what is it that the consumer can identify from their own needs that enables them to authentically connect to the brand just to double back a little bit to something you mentioned earlier um, but from a different perspective slightly so authenticity for coca-cola for instance right is different from authenticity for say a levi's or netbank or absa or mtn whom you know we've spoken about but they all have it right yes should all brands strive to find what it is for them absolutely why is this important? It's important because then when you craft your message, you understand your consumer in a way that enables you to represent them, in a way that enables you to be relevant. Because ultimately what you want to be is to be relevant. You know, most brands have so much budget that, and not that it's a lot, sometimes it's limited budgets, but it's an investment. And for you to uh, get your return on investment, but more than that, get the brand loyalty that you always want. You don't always want to reintroduce yourself as a brand to, to consumers. You want to have loyalty that is enduring and doesn't fizzle out when the next thing comes out um, when a consumer feels like hey I feel like this brand gets me more than that brand so as a result based on emotive reasons this is the brand that I support if you think of people that are avid iPhone uh, users you know they don't care what's out there there's great new market innovations there's this and that Um, there'll even be some criticisms of the latest iPhone innovation but because of a relationship because of that striking a chord and each and every single brand strategist from a messaging perspective promises this that this is the um, the job that a strategy should do is to connect a brand with the consumer emotively yes. so yeah, and, and i mean i like the the iphone example that you use because um i mean there used to be the the argument of um and there still is the argument of operating system android versus ios Right. But some people, even within the Android space, don't stick with Samsung or Huawei, but some will stick with a Samsung. And they are diehard fans of a Samsung or a Huawei within the same operating system. So it it transcends operating system to something else. 
Exactly. And that's exactly it. The diehard fans. That's what you want. That is the, the, this is what the job of striking the right chord, having an authentic connection with your consumer. No matter what you do, they will be diehard fans. That's what you want to do. You do not want to spend your marketing budget year on year trying this, trying that. You want to get it right the first time and then build on it and evolve it as the times change, as the times, you know, uh, play out. You do, And also the nice thing about having diehard fans is that they will defend you on uh, social media if anyone gives any criticism if there's any fake news uh, your diehard fans will protect and um, defend your brand and tell people uh, that no this is not correct this is the correct thing and ultimately that's the apex if I could call it that of a brand and consumer relationship it has to progress we have to move from your you know the branding ladder where you first become aware then you try then you purchase and then after you've purchased you either come back or you try something else or you become a loyalist and then from becoming a loyalist you become an advocate and uh, we've seen I think last week if I'm not mistaken uh, Pusha M was trending because someone said that it burnt their skin the Pusha M uh, Marula uh, skincare beauty product mm. and and then there was other people trying to create a perception that perhaps it's not for uh, light skin people or it's for white uh, black skin people or trying to introduce the topic another of di- colorism di- and, uh, yeah, yeah, and another dynamic to oh, the, yes. to the exactly and the fans and the, the users, the diehard followers of the brand, and you know, went ahead and defended the brand and said, no, that is not correct. This is my results. This has been my results. Uh, so, you know, so that to help your brand to avoid and mitigate potential risk. Uh, from a perceptual perspective, we're living in different times now where, you know, our social media communities have become the jury. They, you can get judged or your, you know, uh, something that a brand that you've built over so many years can be undone uh, just over a tweet or an incorrect misunderstanding, if I can call it that. So if you have your diehard loyal customers because you understand who those people are and you have... Um, directed your marketing investment into striking a chord with them. Um, that's a more sustainable way, um, you know, playing out your brand strategy, your your communication strategies over a five-year period, as opposed to always being bitty and changing and trying this and trying that. It's also got, got to have that long-term view rather yeah. than, you know, like a, a month-long or year-long campaign. Absolutely. So Jay, there's something to be said though about the agency or creative team that works with a brand and how they get to what's authentic about that brand, right? One team um, can get to it in one way and another team can get to it differently, but for the same um, kind of brand. How do you maintain this in spite of the change in creative teams as a brand? So having a, a brand blueprint that is locked in and does not change, where you know what the brand essence is. This, you know, it's a brand essence is always articulated in either three words or less. Sometimes um, it's longer. But that brand essence is the heart and soul of the brand. And the brand lives by this essence uh, no matter what. In your brand blueprint, you know what the objective of the brand is. And, and it has to be a very clear objective that we want people to do X. There's some form of behavior change uh, that is articulated in that objective. Um, and then also the brand personality that says that this is how our brand is personified. Uh, Sometimes you can even have a brand archetype. So there's about 12 uh, brand archetypes that either you know, show a brand as being caring or loving or a hero brand or an everyman brand. Um, And all of this is documented in the the brand blueprint, including key consumer um, insight as in the the one thing that uh, we need to connect.
connect uh, with consumers on as a brand. Um, the key competitor um, insight as to that one thing um, that enables us to, to be differentiated from our competitors. With that brand blueprint, and it has to be locked in once approved, no matter which creative team you give your brand briefs uh, with. So it's the brand blueprint also coupled with the brand identity. So that brand identity document, is, um, it shows you the visual language of the brand, where the logo sits, the types of photography or even videos that are yeah. utilized, the yeah. types yeah. of lifestyle yeah. shots, how those shots need to be taken. There needs to be an oh, the aerial visual, view. Yeah, the visual experience yes. as well of the brand, right? Exactly. So, so with those two documents, any team can work on your brand and, you know, enable you to articulate yourself um, in the best way possible. Hmm. So in the you know South African context, in fact, even internationally, because they've, I mean, they've crossed borders from South Africa to other parts of the world, um, Nando's have their authentic personality, you know, down pat in a way that you know, even without sound or the brand logo that this can only be Nando's when you see a piece of Nando's communication. Why do they get it so right in a way that other brands don't? You mean in terms of their tongue-in-cheek approach and how they... In terms of their tongue-in-cheek approach, in terms of even the copy, um, you know, let alone the fact that their copy looks a certain way, even if their copy didn't. So remove the type of fonts or whatever it is that, you know, that distinguishes their copy or the background or the colors. You'll know that when a piece of communication comes out about something to do with politics, something to do with current affairs or any sort of thing, it feels like Nando's has said that or Nando's could have said something like this, even Mm. though Nando's didn't. What is it that, because for me, that's the authenticity, that thing that says you just get it or anytime that i see something i'll i'll associate it with you as a brand why do yeah. they get it so right mostly to get to achieve that especially at the scale that they've been able to do it if we go back to that whole brand essence uh, topic so you know sure. if, i don't think i've ever seen the nando's uh, brand blueprint but a part of me believes that there must be something in it that says that you know you need to be spicy at, as part of their brand uh, personality and also linking back uh, to the peri peri uh-huh. chicken that they um offer and yes. my belief is that and, you know, as in most agents, especially when you're working on a, a brand like that, that is driven by its personality, is that there's checks and balance. Um, so there's often a checklist that is developed to inform all creative work that comes out for, you know, brands like Nando's. So first question, is this spicy? Is it offensive? You know, you, it has to be yes, no. And, you know, is it relevant to what is happening today? Are we pushing the boundary too much? Uh, is it uh, humorous? Those types of pieces of communication are often checked by uh you know executive creative directors as well as the fuller team including the brand teams um within the client's uh, side themselves to ensure that we are striking the correct brand personality and this is done globally and the nice thing about all obviously you know being a global brand is that each region has its own teams its own brand teams that are able to um understand what is happening in those unique regions and to ensure that the communication is a tick for a brand personality as well as you know the relevance of plugging into what is currently happening um within that particular region so with COVID having been the biggest change, you know, the greatest disruptor of humanity in the past couple of months, some predictions say businesses will take almost two or three years 
to recover. And of course, this affects us as people um, outside of business in, in many ways, right? What will now have to go into research that informs creating these meaningful customer connections? Because I imagine that it does change a lot of, you know, consumer outlook predictions that were made a year ago about where people will be in a year or where marketing advertising will be in a year have all changed, right? So how will we now inform what becomes or leads to meaningful connections between brands and customers, between people themselves, you know, across connections that people have among themselves that lead to the kinds of brands that resonate with them or that speaks to them in a way that they love or want to interact and engage further with those brands. So it's definitely going to have to be a case of going back to basics uh, for Mm. brands. You know, in in my earlier years, I used to work as an analyst, a market intelligence analyst, doing market intelligence for financial services brands. And what I like about the financial services brands is they really do their due diligence uh, from a research and market intelligence perspective. But the biggest thing, especially in the wake of COVID is doing a needs analysis. So every in the financial services world, before any product goes out, a thorough needs analysis is done from a consumer perspective. And this is across uh, every single country. They never use, you know, the no blanket approach for tailoring and developing communications for specific products. So it's a matter of what are the needs, what are the consumers' needs? You can even uh, put them in a hierarchy uh, from what is the most important need in terms of in relation to the particular product that you're doing the needs analysis for. So during this time, it's going to be very important for brands to do needs analysis to understand that with regards to um, their product, uh, what is it that um, the consumer needs and then to obviously put it in priority. Once you understand what your consumer's needs, then it becomes, you know, you then start to follow a strategic and methodological approach in crafting your communications because you have a full understanding of who it is that you're communicating to and what it is that they need as a result of what has transpired um, through the, the pandemic. Jay, thank you very much. That was uh, that was absolutely amazing. And I mean, I got uh, quite a number of things out of that that are definitely, that make authenticity more tangible, you know, than this idea that's kind of up in the air. And I mean, you said then that one of those things is understanding your customer, but more than understanding your customer, demonstrating to your customer that I see you, that I know who you are and I understand your your struggles and your being as, as a person. It's it, it, it's more than just a transaction that you are making with me. And I also love the fact that, you know, you mentioned something within the Nando's example, which talks to living up to your brand personality as a brand and being authentic to that in a way that resonates with others, but it will also separate you from other people. But with the ones that it resonates you will create or have diehard loyalists out of those people. Thank you for listening to The Lead Creative. Did you get one insight that's worth sharing from this episode? Please share it with a friend or anyone who might like it. Pop me some of your ideas and innovative finds on Twitter at Mongezi. This podcast is available on Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Apple, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. This podcast is also hosted on iafrican.com forward slash radio. You can find me and more of my content on mongezi.com.